Hello, my name is Father John Scott. I serve the diocese as hospital chaplain in the city of Albany. My meditation today, a message of exhortation and hope, is based on Isaiah chapter 9 and canticle number 4 from the Book of Common Prayer, which is Luke 1, 68 through 79. But let us begin with prayer. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that that same light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The 8th century BC was not an easy time in the land of Israel. Israel was a divided kingdom. There was political conflict. There were corrupt leaders. There was Danger from outside the land of Israel, from foreign enemies. It was tough to make a living. Famine and disease were always a danger. It would be easy to fall into despair. God sent a messenger with a word of exhortation and hope. Isaiah the prophet. In the ninth chapter of Isaiah, the prophet speaks a word of hope to the people of Israel in the 8th century BC. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. He foretells the coming of a righteous king who will rule with equity. He goes on to say, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, a mighty God, the Everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace. Can't help but hearing the mighty tones of uh, the Messiah by Handel, as we read those. It was a word of hope to help the people of Israel through dark times, based in the word of God. Half a millennium, more than that, later, Zechariah uh, could have been in that same place Things were still difficult in Israel. It was now um, inhabited by a foreign occupier, the Roman Empire. Uh, the leaders were sometimes corrupt, and there was constant conflict among religious parties. And famine and economic difficulties were always around, as was disease. What's more, Isaiah or uh, uh, Zechariah was an old man 
He, hadn't, uh, he had gained no prominence as a priest in Israel. He lived in, uh, out in the country, in a little backwater in the hills of Judea, and only occasionally came into the temple to pray. What's more, he and his wife, Elizabeth, uh, were childless. There was no one to remember them in generations to come. As Zechariah went about uh, his work, his one time praying in the temple, an angel appeared to him with a message of hope and exhortation. Zechariah, you and Elizabeth will have a child. Zechariah could barely believe what he was hearing. And God, uh, God struck him dumb. He couldn't speak. I'm not sure whether that was uh, a punishment for Zechariah's uh, lack of faith or whether that was a gift to Elizabeth for her pregnancy. I'll leave that up to you to decide. But as the child was born and they brought him out among the neighbors to name him, Zechariah, in faithfulness to the angel's command, uh, says uh, with his little pad of paper or whatever, his name will be John. And his tongue is loosed and he begins to sing a song of praise and thanksgiving to God. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has visited and redeemed his people. His heart overflowing with joy that the hope that he had is being fulfilled. And it points to the fulfillment of a greater hope. He goes on and takes up the message of Isaiah the prophet. The people who sat in darkness and the shadow of death will receive a great light. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah knows that the promise enunciated by Isaiah will be fulfilled in the one who comes after his son, the one who comes after John the Baptist, his cousin Jesus. Light has filled his life and he has new purpose, new meaning. So again, we've had uh, difficult times on planet Earth. I was uh, thinking about that this spring as we entered our lockdown. There is political division. We see corruption in various places in the world. 
We have a new pandemic and times of economic hardship. And in the midst of that, I received a message of exhortation and hope. Oddly enough, this message came from me, or at least my younger self. Uh, we received a, a, a manila envelope full of old clippings from newspapers. A friend of ours was cleaning out her desk and she came across some clippings she thought we might like and one of them was a newspaper article I wrote 30 years ago. I had been walking down the street one spring day and I saw a bumper sticker and it said, uh, it said, let's see if I can find it. Here, I've got it. I feel better now that I've given up hope. And that seemed like a very timely message uh, this past spring. But that bumper sticker caused me to think a lot about hope and uh, why we need it. I think the bumper sticker was meant to be funny, but I, I thought it also was a little bit sad that one might think that giving up hope was a good thing. I wrote in my article that, that hope is the, 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 the ability to go, go forward with desire and confidence is one of those things that is characteristic of, of, of being human. Why would you want to give up hope? Perhaps, though, we might understand that attitude because sometimes our hopes are, well, they disappoint us. People, places, and things will fail us from time to time. I used the illustration of the child, that would be me, who goes out and buys a, a, a box of cereal to get the, the toy inside that looks so cool. And you open it up and you take the toy out and you find that it's cheap and breaks. And what's more, the cereal tastes like crud. I fell for those things all the time as a kid. So, when people, places, or things fail us, when life gets difficult, when things look dark, it might seem like a good idea to give up hope. We can avoid the disappointment. But it's also kind of a cop-out because it's an abnegation of responsibility. You see, hope and responsibility go hand in hand. Hope is one of the great theological uh, virtues that St. Paul enumerates in uh, the 13th chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians, faith, hope, and charity. And I once uh, read a meditation on, on those by one of the great saints, I can't remember who, who looks at faith, hope, and charity and sees them as, as three sisters going down the road. And the two big sisters are on the outside, faith and hope. And the little sister is in the middle, faith and, and charity are on the outside, and hope is the little sister in the midst of them. But as you look at the two, the three, 
It's hope that's pulling faith and love down the road. Hope is what gives us desire and confidence to move forward. The problem is that we perhaps put our hope on things that are earthly. Things that are earthly will often fail us. And the problem in having hope is that we rest it on things that just can't bear that weight. Anything that is bound by time will not bear the weight of hope. And the source of true hope and the ground to build that hope on is none other than God himself. For us as Christians, the great sign of hope, the greatest sign of hope, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Paradoxically, it is the worst that could happen and the greatest at the same time. The Messiah, the King, foretold by Isaiah, welcomed by Zechariah, proclaimed by John the Baptist, has come into our midst. He has entered into the land of deep darkness. He has walked in the shadow of death, stretched out his arms in love on the hard wood of the cross, and once for all won the victory over sin and death. This is the ground for our hope as Christian people. This is what gives us desire and confidence to meet even dark times. For we know that in Christ we are more than victors over anything that comes our way. Hope is one of the great themes of the Advent season. And we need to embrace it, encourage it, build that virtue in our life. For it pulls our faith and our love along the road of life. It gives us power to act in Jesus' name, to be signs of the reign of Christ in this broken world, to be a light in darkness. Perhaps that's the reason why Thomas Cramner chose the Benedictus, that great canticle 
from the Gospel of Luke, the Song of Zechariah, to be one of our regular morning canticles. That at the beginning of our day, we seek to enkindle hope founded on Jesus Christ. We think of the coming of Christ during the season of Advent, his coming at his birth in Bethlehem, his coming in glory at the end of the ages, but we also remember that he comes to us in faith day by day in the power of his Holy Spirit, the dayspring from on high will come into our hearts and break the darkness day by day, if we allow him. So I invite you to build your hope on Jesus Christ, that the dayspring from on high will be with you now and to eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.